You are now listening to Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankee podcast of Gotham Sports Network. Welcome back to another episode of Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankees podcast on the Gotham Sports Network. As always, you got Steve here with Sam. Sam, we got to stop recording every time the Yankees lose a game. Big week for the Yankees, but a bad taste in our mouth after tonight's game, man. How are you feeling? I'm feeling all right, honestly, except for the fact that I'm looking at Twitter right now, and it's telling me that the season is over, despite the fact that the Yankees have won 14 of 20 games. They're 14 and 6 in their last 20. Uh, a nice series win against the Nationals. A couple of walk-off wins, even though the wheels really came off the bike on Friday. Uh, and tonight, Wednesday, was really, really ugly. But the Yankees went 4-2 and two against what I think is two very solid baseball clubs, despite the record. We talked about last week that no one in MLB is really off to this hot, hot start. Uh, but the Yankees go 4-2 and two against the Nationals and Rays. They get a big monkey off their back in showing that they can play they won, with the They Rays. won a game in Tampa. <laughs> yeah. They won and, two. And they won two. <laughs> That's and, a win. We, you can't be upset. I know Twitter's pissed, but we just won two in Tampa. Um, you know, we almost had the sweep uh, on Wednesday night. Uh, it was an ugly game. But if they, we haven't swept down in Tampa in, in six years. 2015, if they pulled off a win Wednesday. So, I mean, that it's still take two of three in Tampa. Um, and then you said a couple good, good games versus the, versus the Nationals. We're not scoring a ton this week, uh, but our pitching has been been fantastic. So, like you said, four and two week. We ended last week's podcast saying five and one would be really good. I think four and two is, is very good as well. Uh, but similar to how we recorded last week, the last game versus the Astros left an odd taste in our mouths, and, uh, and tonight's game did, did the same. So it kind of takes away the – the excitement of the, the past few wins, but um, like you said, got trying to be positive, four and two, uh, even though even though tonight was ugly. Um, Sam, the one before we get to the baseball side of things here, something we didn't think we'd have to talk about much this year, or hope we didn't have to talk about it, is the Yankees are the COVID outbreak team in Major League Baseball right now. Glaber Torres is on the COVID list, gonna miss what? How many games is he gonna miss? Seven, ten? I don't even know what the <laughs> protocol is nowadays. Steve, I, you know, listen, this is a very controversial topic with <laughs> a lot of people. I don't want to get into any rants, but they are up to eight positive cases now, I believe. They're up to yep. eight. And Aaron Boone said all of them have been vaccinated. Um, one of them was symptomatic for, you know, a day. I, I assume it's mild symptoms. And now they're all asymptomatic. Um, Steve, by, by definition, and Boone admit, admit this in his press conference, it was either before the Tuesday, or it was either before the Wednesday game or after the Wednesday game. He said, uh, I, the fact that we're all vaccinated um, is helping us get around this. And... I don't really – one, I did not think they were testing asymptomatic – you know. Yeah, they're still testing everybody like every they're day still apparently. testing everybody every day. And the Yankees right now, if you want to know the truth, are the perfect example of the vaccine actually working yeah. in society. I, I think 
I personally think, I don't want to say it's a good thing, but they have all these cases. They're all asymptomatic right now. Um, it's not being, I don't know if it was passed to anyone, but it's Well, I think that's, very, the, that's better, the good thing is we're seeing that it's not, yeah. everybody tested negative on Wednesday. So that that's great. So the Yankees kind of, I guess, contain the outbreak for now. But I think to your, to your side of it, this happened last year. The Yankees would not be playing baseball for two weeks, but yeah. they, they didn't miss a game. I think that's a great sign for baseball, and, and I guess for the for the for the vaccine as well. You know, you know, I think it's pretty clear that we're not doctors or scientists here. But if you got Glaber Torres who tested positive in the dugout in the lineup with everybody on Monday, and the Yankees don't miss a game, and there's no more, you know, no more. They're not waiting for any more results. Every player is clear. I think that's a good sign. It sucks that we lose Glaber for a week or two here. Um, and it really sucks for him because he got COVID last year, got the vaccine, and now gets it again. He is probably someone put up the the statistical anomaly that it is. It, the fact that it's also a, a public figure is, is pretty hilarious. Uh, but I think it's a good sign for everybody and a good sign for baseball because if this does happen um, for other teams here, this should be encourage all teams to get to that eighty five percent you know vaccine rate as a team that MLB is pushing for because you don't want to have to stop for two weeks. We can see that, that that we know that that causes you know absolute chaos for Major League Baseball, and the fact the Yankees don't miss a game here is uh, is a great sign, I think, for everybody. Is Torres going to have to be out the regular seven to ten days, though? I mean, they don't have. I, any I other... haven't seen anything like that. I don't know. I'm, I think so. Like Nick Saban at Alabama, and this is in October or November of oh, yeah, last year. He he eventually tested positive for real again but the the week it's it was in october actually it was a week leading up to the georgia game uh he, yeah, had, he, had, a he had the false test. positive then he had a real positive and still was somehow on the sideline <laughs> but the but the first the first time was the false positive and then he returned three negative tests now the sec's protocol might may be different than it could be a little lax i think the compared to baseball but but i i mean if he's vaccinated, and Sabin's was long before a vaccine even got administered to the first group of people who got it, the healthcare workers, nursing home patients, etc. I think there should be a way where if Glaber Torres doesn't return a- another positive test, or if one of MLB's epidemiologists or, or, you know, I know this a CDC director was investigating the Yankees outbreak. I think there should be a way he should be able to get on the field because an ace, I'm reading all this stuff and it's sports aside, an asymptomatic vaccinated person, um, the likelihood of transmission here is very, very, low and and like yeah the vaccine is not a cure but it's it it does it does what it it did what it's supposed to do yeah like like Um, i said like the yankees show the yankees have shown that it's doing what it's supposed to do right now and that's why they're not missing a game which is good for everybody yeah and and it seems like he's gonna definitely gonna miss uh some some time you know the yankees brought up miguel and duhar uh and michael k said on tonight's broadcast that as far as he knows, the plan is to play Andujar at third a decent amount and get him some serious at-bats. So I, in my mind, that has at least Glaber out the entire weekend, um, possibly longer, possibly a full week, um, and we'll, we'll see what, what happens there. But it does bring back Andujar. Andujar came up for 
a couple games before Luke Voigt came back. So we lose Glaber, but we gained Voigt back. He's still looking for his first hit of the year, having played the first two games in Tampa before the day off Wednesday. Uh, and, and Duhar was at third, and he had uh, Gio Urshela at, at, at short. So we'll, we'll see what the Yankees do uh, this weekend. Um, but it seems like we'll get Andujar some at-bats. And it's, it's nice to see Andujar back on the, on, on the field. Um, I think he had one ground ball hit to him. He tried to turn a double play. Uh, it was a quick quick throw, decent turn, but did it, the runner beat out the throw to first. Um, so we'll see what Andujar can do at third. I, you know, I never would have thought we'd have Andujar at third for an extended period of time. But, you know, here, here we are, and let's see if he gets this weekend. He got a game at first, uh, but it's nice to see uh, Mickey back in uh, pinstripes. Yeah, for sure. And this is a guy we talked about last week a lot. Um, it's Having him at third, it was a very, very sensitive subject on Yankees Twitter, I noticed. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, just, I made some jokes as well. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, you know, the, the concern is him in the field. And, you know, they moved Urshela to shortstop tonight. And if the plan is to have Andujar at third, it looks like um, Urshela is going to be the guy at short, presumably, yeah. because he's and he's dealing the with a little injury too. So I think that uh, you're going to see uh, some uh, some some que- not questionable, but the the that side of the infield is going to be uh, something to watch. Yeah, uh, it, it's for sure, and. We talked about Andujar. Uh, we really like his bat and, and the potential he has on the offensive side of things. But I mentioned last week, and the Yankees obviously don't have CC Sabathia anymore, but, I mean, it was such a huge concern, his defense, that when CC was pitching, you know, he Andujar couldn't even be at third base because they were so concerned about his mobility over there. And... This is going back years now, a talking point we've both had about his position with the Yankees if he's playing on the field. And they ended up trying him out here, but we both envisioned him as possibly an outfielder because yep. the, later, the lateral movement is not there at third base, and you need lateral movement at first base double as clutches well. on a lot of throws, um, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see what Andujar can do. And I think, I think Andujar is going to come back up as a – as a talking point here when we get to our, our, our three down of the week. Um, but one other player before we get to the three up of the week, Luke Voigt. I said he's back. Uh, Yankees Yankees need that grittiness. They, they, they need that intensity. They've gotten nothing from first base pretty much all year. Um, playing two of three, that's fine. The occasional day off is fine. Someone coming off, big fella like him coming off a uh, knee injury. But uh, it's good to see the big man back. Uh, and I'm sure that the, the clubhouse is happy to have his personality back as well. Absolutely. Luke Voigt is one of my favorite Yankees. We've detailed that a lot on this podcast. The hop step after he takes, um, after he hits one deep for a home run, uh, 0 for 8 in his yeah, first couple of Yeah, not too back. worried about that, considering what the rest of first base has done for us. Absolutely. And he put a charge into one the other night that I thought he had. Um, so, yeah, I'm very, very excited to have him back. Um, you know, Drew walked the other night, which was good to see. That's he a big was, part too. He gets on base not just with the home yeah. runs. He that that uh, that eye is uh, is something that the Yankees need in that middle of the lineup. Um, we'll, we'll see where he hits. He started out behind uh, Urshela his first two games as Gio has uh, taken on that 
that that fourth role. So let's roll right into it. The three up, three down of the week. Um, let's start with Gio Urshela, my first up of the week. He reached base Wednesday night, extending his on-base streak to 21 games. He's playing shortstop now, so he's not just a straight third baseman. Um, and, and he's the cleanup hitter for the Yankees for the foreseeable future. So so some good stretches from, from Gio. Um, and he got a hit late in the game to keep that streak going. But if you're going to be a cleanup hitter, getting on base is good. Getting on base 21 straight games for a team like the Yankees that is struggling mightily to get on base, even despite their wins, is uh, is good for Gio. Yeah, several multi-hit games in, in, in the last couple of weeks. He's really, really hitting the ball well, extra base hits. Um, yeah, and I was talking with a couple of people this week. It's really just amazing to see this guy's journey. The Brian Cashman getting him for cash uh, in a trade, and it was it's a credit to the Yankees scouting department that they really just saw something in a guy in his late 20s, and he's taken on that third base role since 2019. Uh, when Miguel Andujar was injured early in that 2019 season, uh, after a year where he put up, you know, nearly one rookie of the year, Otani beat him out. But how he just came in and he had a nice 2019, and we were like, oh, okay, maybe this is just a lightning in a bottle a little bit. And then he continued it last year in the shortened season, and it's continuing this year. And it's a great, great thing to see because he provides great defense. He's shown versatility to move over to shortstop. He even played some second base a little bit. So this guy's becoming one of my favorite Yankees uh, as well. And I really, really like when they get these guys that two teams, you know, cast away like the Blue Jays and the Cleveland Indians did with them. Because he's found a home in New York and he's become one of – those guys that you want up in a situation, when you ask Yankee fans, they'd probably say LeMayhew, and as would I, but this guy's right up there as well. When the Yankees need a hit, he's always coming through as well. Yeah, uh, and it, it's pretty incredible. I think um, a lot of the a lot of the Yankees get get bashed pretty often for like their their hitting approach is terrible. They just go for the long ball and, and all that stuff. And I get it, it makes sense when you're talking about guys like Stanton and Judge uh, and and Gary, you know, long ball hitters here. But how about we talk more about what the Yankees did and told Gio Urshela? This is a guy that he had 150 games plus in the big leagues with eight home runs and was batting like 220. Comes into the Yankee system, clearly changes his approach on how he he takes at bats. Now all of a sudden he's got you know 31 home runs and 200 games with the Yankees, and he's a 300 hitter. So something in the organization's working right. Some of those analytics are telling him what to do, and he's doing it. So I think that's a, it's a big. Uh, it's a, I mean, it's great for G. Rochelle. This is, this is, you know, you know, he was going, he was basically going to be out of the league. It looked like in, in a few weeks when he was with uh, Toronto to now being, you know, three years with the Yankees and just smacking the shit out of the ball. And he's continued that in May. He's raised his batting average uh, in May from you know two seventy to two ninety two, um, just in the, this first few weeks here. So he's really, you know, doing it all for the Yankees. And you know, he's a, a cleanup hitter. G. Rochelle is a cleanup hitter. On a, on a team with uh, Stanton, Judge, DJ LeMahieu, Gary Sanchez, Glaber Torres, Luke Voigt. And this, this guy is your cleanup hitter. It, it's pretty, pretty, pretty remarkable. 
Uh, 29 years old, uh, so not the, not the youngest spring chicken ever here, but uh, just just really doing stuff, great stuff with the ball. Uh, and I think the, the Yankees need a little more credit for what they what they do there. He's striking out at a higher rate than he did previously in his career. He's hitting more home runs than he did previously in his career. So clearly the Yankees are like, hey, just just not saying just swing away, but their approach that they're telling their hitters leads to more home runs, leads to more strikeouts, and it leads to Gio Urshela being almost an all-star third baseman compared to being a triple-A player with other teams in the big leagues. So, you know, and, he, and he's continued that this year. There is no fluke. He is 205 game, 206 games with the Yankees, uh, and he's their everyday third baseman for a long time coming. He's not a free agent till till 2024, so we got Gio here for a while. Pretty cheap, too. <laughs> Yeah, which is very, very big in terms of discovering these guys late in their careers. Uh, and it seems like it's, I don't want to say become a common theme around baseball, but you look around like what Daniel Murphy did with the Mets. And that's really when I started paying attention to stuff like this and how guys maybe start to bloom a little bit later in their careers. I mean, my friends and I would always joke like when go see the Nationals play the Phillies. And when joke, we're like, this guy went from, when we'd see him with the Mets when we were in our early high school years, this guy went from like decent hitter when we saw yeah, him with the Mets to, to, to like Ted Williams. Folklore uh, I mean, Europe, yeah. The guy, the guy like had a few years stretch where he didn't get out. Um, Gio's not like on that level, but it's, yeah, these these discoveries are, are, are becoming more and more common, I feel like. Luke Voigt's even one of them. Leading oh, absolutely. The league in home runs. I mean, it's – and you see them in the NFL sometimes. I, I mean, just guys, scouts have an eye that they see something and um, – they, they can and it's it a work. different philosophy for for teams too. There's a lot of you know the Yankees. The Yankees think they're smarter than everybody. They're 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 not, but they make smart moves like this. But you know, there's different philosophies in teams. Clearly, what what they were telling him in Cleveland and Toronto wasn't connecting. So a different connection with the coach here, different connection with the analytical staff, um, and, and it works. And, and Gio is just you know the the prime example of that for the Yankees. And the Yankees have a lot of guys like that. Um, so it, it's good to it's good to see Gio. Hopefully he stays healthy, uh, getting banged up a little bit. Um, hopefully he doesn't you know do too much out there in shortstop while I wait for Glaber. But but nice to see that he can play shortstop still because um, that really uh, wasn't a thing the Yankees were planning on and hoping for. Because um, I definitely don't want to see Tyler Wade out there for an extended period of time. The complete opposite of Gio Urshela of a diamond in the rough is is Garrett Cole. And Garrett Cole is earning every single penny of that massive contract that the Yankees gave him. This guy is unbelievable. If you didn't have a pitching limit and there was no such things as ending games, Garrett Cole would have thrown 25, 30 shutout innings versus that raised lineup this week. He was absolutely dominant in his eight innings of work there. And even after his eight innings, he didn't even look satisfied. But holy shit, is it fun to see Garrett Cole pitch every five days. Steve, I was texting a friend last night, and I literally texted him, this guy pitches for the Yankees every five days for, like, the next decade. And yeah. I don't want to get too – I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but it's kind of just watching him 
and I, I am a big advocate against long, big contracts for pitchers, but Cole kind of feels like the exception to the rule, like Max Scherzer was with the Nationals, because, it, you know, these guys have great mechanics. Uh, they have a lot of other stuff besides relying on a fastball, and that's what I get when I watch Cole. It looked like those race hitters did not have a chance against him and it's looked like that in several starts so far this season he started eight games he's let up no runs in three of them and gone at least uh six innings in all of them double digit strikeouts in all but three of those starts i mean the swing and miss stuff is there he's only let up three home runs in 52 and two-thirds innings as, as well and steve I talk about this with every pitcher, it feels like. I'm sorry if it sounds like that I'm a little bit of a broken record here. But can you believe this ratio when I read this to you in 52 and two-thirds innings? 78 strikeouts to three walks. It's incredible. Two of the walks came on opening day, too, when he threw five and a third in a game the Yankees lost against the Blue Jays. I, I don't – I mean, those just are not real numbers. So he has one walk in his last 47 and a third of an inning. I don't – I just don't believe that. I mean, baseball – 70 strikeouts. And- 70 strikeouts to one walk in those things. His whip is .6. He's only given up 28 hits in that those 47 innings. Um, and the Yankees are five and one with a one point one four ERA. His ERA on the whole year is one point three seven. It's 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 Cy Young stuff, like clearly Cy Young stuff. Um, I, I was pretty clear that I bet Garrett Cole to to win the Cy Young uh, early this year. And, and DraftKings has already given me opt outs. They're like, hey, uh, do you want your money plus some back just to cancel this bet? Because they know they're fucked. They they know this Cy Young <laughs> is basically locked in as long as Garrett Cole can stay healthy. Because he is just dominating. And it's great to see that he's doing it against, we talked about this with, with Kluber last week, but you got to do it against a tough competition here. And he, the Rays, look, they're not the same Rays as they've been the past, past few years. Their, their lineup actually is pretty atrocious when you look at it. But to do it in Tampa, put up eight innings, uh, it was what, 107 pitches, just, just straight dominance from, from Garrett Cole. Um, it's must watch t- must watch TV. Uh, there was a lot of you know talk you know reminiscing about Matt Harvey Day for for Mets fans here. Well, it's Garrett Cole Day, and when when Cole Day is on the Cole trains on the mound, it, it's buckle up and get aboard and get your ass in front of a TV because because it's pretty remarkable. And like I said, in eight starts, he's only got, he's got two point eight WAR already on Fangraphs. So he's get he's average he's already given the Yankees three wins in his eight three wins above average in his eight starts here. Um, you want to, you know, do do some do some math here. He's got on pace for like a seven eight win season with uh, for WAR and, and and a Cy Young, and that's what you need. We're we talking about MVP, maybe MVP. That's interesting. Um, I, I think as typical, we uh, often forget what Mike Trout is doing out west. Uh, so I, this is it will always be Trout's to lose. Um, but but certainly, I can see a situation where uh, if Trout misses a few games, you get Garrett Cole, yeah, absolutely MVP. I mean, Verlander's done it. Kershaw's done it. Yeah. Um, I just can't get over that that ratio. I mean, 78 strikeouts to three walks. I've got fan graphs and baseball reference open, and, and they match up. So I I just can't 
I just can't get that. He's striking my out forty-one percent of all hitters, and he's walking one percent. And <laughs> he's gotten into some two-two and three-two counts. And the Yankees faced him plenty when he was with the Astros in 2018 and 2019, uh, in the regular season and the postseason in, in 2019. And I was texting my one buddy on Wednesday when he was starting, and I said. What he's doing to these hitters in 2-2 and 3-2 counts, it's why I said all the time when the Yankees were facing them to just try to get something early in the count and get on base because what this guy does to you when he, he gets learns deep in the every count, pitch. It's insane. I mean, it's just you don't want to get to that. There's a few guys. It's Scherzer, Verlander. Kershaw, when, when they get you in the 2-2, two, 3-2 two, two counts, you don't want to know what they're going to pull out because it's going to be something that should be illegal. And He's painting 99 on the black in the in the eighth inning, you know, pitch 105. Like he, he struck out the side, I think, in the eighth inning. Like it was just, just incredible to end with 12 Ks there, four hits. How about um, that stare down, too? Dude, that's, what, that's what I was going to bring up next is he looked pissed kind of all game. I don't know if he was upset with the umpire, kind of upset with the Rays, but even after the game, as the Yankees were in the uh, – you know the the the, hand, the high five line. He just didn't really crack a smile. It, it was interesting to see how how locked in he he is and how locked in he still was, even when he was taken out of the game. Yeah, and that stare down towards the end, right there when he yeah uh, it, it was yeah, Chapman does it every game. I thought it was interesting to see Cole do it. Yeah, I have not seen that out of Cole in the two years now that he's been with the Yankees, but I loved it. I texted my buddy immediately. I mean, that stare down was just, it riled me up a little bit. And then to, you mentioned Chapman again, he lost a little bit of control on Tuesday just to get into him a little bit. Um, it's... But again, again, nails on nails on Wednesday to clinch the Yankees, the series. And We've talked about him a bunch. I, I saw on – I took a little bit of a social media hiatus again. Um, I read your column last week um, about him that you wrote that, that how – just the numbers, and it was you know a week after I returned to Twitter. Um, just, They're silly. This is – he's in year 11 of a guy – who came over from Cuba being advertised as hitting 100, 300, 405 miles an hour. <laughs> if you told me in 2010, and I remember him with the Reds, I was at a Phillies playoff game where they shelled him in his rookie season. If you told me that guy would potentially be having his best season in year 11, I mean, that is nuts. Um, and that's what it looks like he could do. Now, he does go through a stretch every year, it seems, where he forgets how to find the strike zone. But this might be the best. And we talked about him on previous episodes. He's got the fastball mixed with the splitter and the slider. And trying to guess between one of those three things in the ninth inning is, I mean, good night if you're a hitter. So... It's, yeah, it's I, insane. I, Sam, I got to read you this, this this stat I found from Twitter. Is Araldis Chapman has a negative fielding independent pitcher in FIP when he pitches. That means the team that he's facing somehow is projected to lose runs when he is on the mound. Like, that's a small sample size and will eventually be, be fixed here. 
but just in general, the fact that right now it's a negative, like that, that stat isn't a negative stat. There's not negative numbers, but he somehow broke it and there are uh, negative numbers implied there. So yeah, I mean, I don't want to say it's like a Mariano feel when he gets on the mound right now, but he's getting close to automatic. He's in an automatic stage right now. It, it is. And it, like I said in my article, it's really going to come down to playoff time. Like he's got those that playoff history of giving up the big home run, even in the World Series when he was with the Cubs. Luckily, they won that game. Uh, and the few with the Yankees here. So right now he looks best, best he's ever looked. And that, that's pretty amazing, as you said, for a 33-year-old um, guy. He probably prolonged his career a little bit because once the fastball goes – now he has that whole that that splitter to, to kind of extend to his, his career. So he looks awesome. Had a little fingernail issue uh, this weekend, but it, it didn't seem to stop him or slow him down really at all. So a little little extra Chapman on the three up. Um, but our third final and final up is I want to give a shout out to Jordan Montgomery. Jordan Montgomery looked and pitched awesome versus uh, versus the Rays here. Kind of set up Garrett Cole to come in and win that series. Um, he Montgomery's looked. Looks good the past few starts. He he's lowered his uh his ERA to to three point to under four, which is you know really really nice and, and strong there. He's at seven innings. Still still always his issue was going deep into games. Um you know still under forty innings for the year. Not striking out a ton, but he pitched a, he pitched a really good game with with Tampa and he pitched a good game with Gary Sanchez behind the plate. Uh, the two of them seem to to work well. Um, so that's what you need from Montgomery. As he, if he's your typical four or five guy, just kind of go out there, eat, eat some innings, and uh, and get wins and put your team in a position to win. And he's he's done that the past. He's done that more than more than not this year. Two starts of uh, more than three runs, and then uh, five starts of three runs or less. Um, and then with the the big start versus Tampa this week, so so Jordan Montgomery gets on the the three up list for me. Yeah, this was a great choice to put on the three up list, and I don't. I might be over-exaggerating a little bit here. You never do that, so that's good. (laughs) That start that we saw at Tropicana Field may have been the best... uh, (coughs) Excuse me. May have been the best I've seen him look in a Yankees uniform. The way he was painting each side of the plate, especially that strikeout of Meadows early in the game, he painted a 95-mile-an-hour fastball in the black. I'm not sure I've seen him hit that speed ever yeah, as yeah. a Yankee. Um, that's what really stood out to me. Nine strikeouts to one walk. He fell. He got ahead 0-2 to Zanino, and then Zanino worked at full and hit a 6,000-foot home run off of him. <laughs> but that was all. That, that was, was one of the That no was mistake. one of the two hits that he, came up, that he gave up in six innings. So I – and – in 2017, when he came up, had a sub-4 ERA in his rookie season, went toe-to-toe with Chris Sale on that Sunday night baseball late in the season before Chapman gave up the home run to Devers. The worst regular season Yankees loss I think I've experienced. <laughs> uh, not to reflect on that. But Montgomery was a guy that I was really high on after his rookie season. And then, of course, like a lot of young pitchers, he got the Tommy John in 2018 – um, early in his career, got his feet wet a little bit in 2019, got rocked, and, and then he was one of those guys we talked about adjusting to the pandemic needing to come into 2020 
uh, in good shape, and he got rocked. And then we talked about guys adjusting to coming back this season in 21, still with some COVID concerns. Now, we talked about that in January when the COVID situation was really, really bad in a lot of parts of the country. But it was overall a normal spring training, I'd say. Um, and Montgomery's looked the part so far. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for – sorry no. to cut you off there – is that this is already the third time he's faced Tampa this year. Um, and I mean, we mentioned that, that Tampa's lineup isn't that strong, but April 11th, five innings, four runs. April 17th, six innings, four runs. And then April May 11th, six innings, one run. Huge improvement month over month there. Um, you know, If you're going to face a team three times, it seems like it should be that the – the lineup should be getting the the advantage the third time facing Jordan Montgomery in in two months. So for him to come back and throw nine strikeouts, at, you know, versus a team base facing for the third time, um, kind of like you said, it blew me away. That was a great start by him. Needs to continue to build on that momentum. Um, I would love to see him pitch into the into the seventh inning uh, a little more here. But hey, if you give me six innings, one two runs, uh, I couldn't be happier from from Monty. Yeah, he's 28 years old, uh, fourth-round pick out of South Carolina in 2014. We talked about in the first season we did this. The first season that you and I paired up on podcasting and pinstripes was 2017. Yep. Hard to believe that. <laughs> um, we talked about pitchers who came up, and that was Severino's breakout season as well. We talked about pitchers who the Yankees have drafted – and we've seen come up and be staples in the rotation. It's not long. For years at a time. There's <laughs> no <Am> one. <laughs> I, 2003 is the first season I have memory of. Six years old. I, there's not many, there's not many at all. We had this discussion yeah. years ago. It's Phil Hughes and now, and now it's it. Well, no, no one. I, I mean, like five, six years, a, a consistent starter throughout their you know, rookie contract years in the arbitration. And Montgomery, I said a bunch of times that year, has had the shot to be that guy. And, yeah, that was the best I've ever seen him on one on uh, Tuesday night against the Rays to open the series in a huge spot, by the way, in a huge, huge spot to open a series against uh, a team that is big slap, the Yankees. We were one and five uh, against them, and now we're, we won two or three, and Monty really set the tone for the, for the series, even though we didn't get the sweep there, sweep there. But you know once Cole coming on the mound that, hey, this is a series win in Tampa. So, yeah, I agree. It, made, it took the pressure off of losing Wednesday night because if the Yankees split those first two games and then we got our asses kicked like we did on Wednesday night, completely different tone for the next few weeks probably for the Yankees in, in my mindset. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I don't want to, I'm not a big, you know, I don't want to say Tuesday was a must win game for the Yankees, but I will call Tuesday's game that Montgomery pitched, again, the best that I've ever seen him in a Yankees uniform. I will call Tuesday's game going into it the biggest game of the season to date. Uh, given, yeah, I like the, it. given the Yankees, well, like, yeah, I'm not a big, you know, must, like I said, it wasn't must win or, or whatever, or whatever. But to date, I believe that was 
the Yankees' biggest game of the season. Um, and it's good. And it's great to see that Monty yeah. was the guy that was able to do it. So we'll keep it. Keep that going there for him and with his next start. Uh, all right, so recap three up. Uh, Garrett Cole, uh, G. Rochella, and, and Jordan Montgomery with the extra spice of Araldis Chapman. As always, that means there's three down. Um, I'm, I'm going with my first one of Kyle Higashioka. While we like to see what, what Kyle's been doing, I uh, got five home runs uh, on the year, kind of playing a full almost platoon with Gary Sanchez, playing almost every other day here. Uh, starting to struggle, uh, and it's 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 not something that I am shocked by at all. Um, you know, he's kind of only got two hits so far this month in in five games. Nothing crazy, but you know, there was a time where he was he was batting three twenty, and we were like, "Holy shit!" Did Higashioka just uh, ruin Gary Sanchez's chances of ever being the Yankees catcher? Since then, he's got he's gotten two hits, and he's down all the way almost to a two hundred hitter, um, and that's kind of what we've learned to see from Higgy uh, as the year goes, years go on. He's going to strike out. He's not going to walk, and he's got some power. Calls a great game. Uh, the Yankees uh, are doing very well when the games that he pitches, but he's struggling right now, and uh, I think if we're going to bash Gary every week when he has a bad week, then it, then we need to bash Kyle when he has a bad week, and he had a bad week. Yeah, he did. Uh, we've been on the same page uh, when it comes to Gary or Austin Romine or Kyle Higashioka for a couple of years now. They, these guys are Higashioka and, you know, formerly Romine were good in limited roles, but the starter potential, the 30 home run potential that we've seen Gary Sanchez get to in 2017 and 2019, those guys don't even have close to that. And, they get exposed in a bigger role, and yeah, that's why they're backup know, catchers. I'm not. I'm not going to say. I'm, I'm not going to say Higashioka is getting getting exposed right now in you know several games, but it's you just see the difference um, in the few catchers that I mentioned. And Kyle Higashioka is 31 years old and took eight or nine years to get up to the major leagues for a reason. Um, there's a reason for that. Um, I'm not going to say he's not good, but it's, um, look, if you're going like to be, uh, said, if, yeah. you, if you're going to strike out two times a game and not make an impact on the game, then, then yeah, I, I want Gary back there. Uh, I'm fine. I'm look, Kyle has earned the right to at least get some at bats here. Um, but if it's 50, 50, I don't know. Uh, you know, you got to ride the, ride the wave. And it seems like that's what maybe, um, Boone's going to do here because Gary got two, two nice hits on Wednesday. You know, um, I'd like to see Gary get a, get a few starts here in a row. We know Kyle's going to catch when, when Cole is starting here. Um, if it's a 75, 25 or 60, 40 split, however they, they do it, it might work out. Um, but it also is going to mean that we're going to go through some struggles where one catcher's playing better than the other, or both catchers are completely sucking. Uh, and for the month of May, Higashioka has sucked. Um, so we'll keep a, keep an eye on that uh, and see where that goes. But you know, if you're gonna bash Gary, you're gonna bash Kyle. Um, so I think you got to be fair. I think if for anything, we're a fair podcast. Um, so that's that's one position in general. The catching position generals kind of stunk. So that, that you'll get you'll sense a theme here on the three down um, with our next person of Brett Gardner, and you can loop in Clint Frazier. 
in general, left field has stunk for the Yankees. Um, and we might see more of both of those because Aaron Hicks seems to be nursing a, a wrist injury here. So if you get Brett Gardner and Clint Frazier out in center uh, and left, it might have fans screaming uh, angry words about that Mike Talkman trade. Yeah, for sure. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. How bad would it be if the Yankees had to use trade chips for an outfielder? I mean, (laughs) like, nobody wants to do that. And I don't want to say we're in automatic out territory with these guys, uh, but Brett Gardner is hitting 188 uh, on the season. There's nothing exciting when Brett Gardner comes to the plate. Like, I'm sorry. I like, I like, Brett, you do this to me every year, and you sometimes get hot, and you've been showing more power as you've been getting older, but you're, you're killing me right now. You, you are, you're looking like you're 37 years old going on 60. I mean, Clint's hitting under 150. I, I, I know. Mean, it sucks. Just... Like, what do you do with both these guys combined? You're hitting 165. That's what I to tie into earlier. If Miguel Andujar gets a couple games at third base and gets some hits, do you throw them out there in left field? It's worth a shot. I mean, they, they've dealt with bad defense at first base all year long since Voight, uh, before Voight returned. Um, and they're playing Andujar at third base, which he's obviously a li- liability there. And it was spring training last year, or the summer camp 2.0, where he looked more Andujar. I was reading looked a, a little bit better in left field, but... Yeah, if Andrew Harry can show that he can hit like we know, like we've seen before, then you got to give him a couple games out in left field. You can't just send him back to the minors. I know you want him playing every day, but you know, Brett, Brett, it can't be the defense can't isn't there. The speed's there. He kind of there was a play today where it was. I mean, it was a kind of a no man's land play, but you know, Brett of old would have made that made that play in center field, Um, and if he's playing center field. And you got Clint in left field. Just the two of them combined are struggling. Uh, you know, every time with Clint, um, and Michael K said it best. He, he'll have a good game. Well, he will, you know, hit a, hit a nice nice single, hit a home run. But then the next game, it's kind of two, one step forward, two steps back. I think getting thrown out the other day, knowing the Yankees are pretty limited with their bench in the outfield. I mean, that the ump show galore. But, you know, that was a strike. And Clint said some, said some sort of bad word and got himself tossed from the game. Um, so it's, uh, it's been, it's been a shit show between the two of them. Yeah. And I totally agree with getting Andujar out there in left field a little bit, because we're getting to a point where, yeah, we're going to have to have Brett Gardner and Clint Frazier in the lineup on a regular basis. If Aaron Hicks has to go on the IL and so Sam, if that does happen here, we, are we going to start maybe seeing the Yankees take a big risk and call up uh, Esteban Florial? Because he, he, he's he still only, home, he's got four home runs already. He's yeah. still only in Double A. They brought him up for a, a one game cup of coffee last year, but he is twenty three years old. Always flashed amazing potential, but never been able to to hit it. Uh, starting in, in Somerset Double A this year, still only batting two thirty three, but. But four home runs, six RBIs, over a thousand OPS. Um, if this Hicks injury becomes a real thing, I want I don't know. Do the Yankees 
do something that they haven't done in years? This could this be like a, a Melky Cabrera situation from way back when? If you just throw a guy out there in center field and say, here you go, see what we got. Because uh, I'd rather that option than having Brett Gardner out there every day in center field. I'd give it a shot. And we heard back in 2017 talking the Sonny Gray trade. My God, that seems like... It seems long ago. Decade ago. But it's... Why not? And the Yankees insisted on holding on to this guy with whoever they talked to in trades. So my thing is, if they insisted on that, why don't we see him now? And he's finally showing some... He, it's health. He it's always been health. Cliff. He's yeah, yeah. health. He still strikes out a ton um, but it's it's always been the the health issue, and it, he just hasn't been healthy enough to work his way through the minor league system. Like this is his, his the Yankees have had him since 2015, so this is his sixth, seventh season with the Yankees, and he's just finally got to Double A, and he's got all kinds of potential. So that just kind of shows how the injuries have held him back. You know, seven years uh, and you know 450 games is a low number when you're trying to move someone through a system. So it's nice to see him in Double A. But you know, the Yankees typically want to see you in AAA for 50 games. Uh, so I wonder how quick. I think that would be my next sign is, you know, if in, you know, by by mid-June, is he in AAA? Because if so, that means the Yankees, I can easily see the Yankees pulling a move of bringing him up here uh, and seeing what he's got in the second half. But he's got to get to AAA first. Of course, an injury like Hicks going to an IL doesn't seem like the Yankees are leaving that way, but you never know with Hicks. Um, that could change the plans. But it's... Uh, it's something that, uh, that that's gaining some steam, um, at least on the internet. Absolutely. And with the power that he's shown, we have not seen this at any level with him. Um, it's been there. He, had, he came out uh, when he was 17. He had seven home runs in 57 games in, in the rookie league. And they're, 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 that's where the uh, kind of 30, 30 home runs, 30 stolen base potential with a plus-plus glove started. Um, and but then yeah you're right but he had 13 home runs in 20, 2017 um, but but since then you know it's it's he kind of lost a lot of it and then not being able to have a minor league season last year definitely killed him because he would have been in Double A last year and could have started this year in Triple A and we might be talking about him already being the starting center fielder for the Yankees and uh, people are gonna bash Aaron Hicks all the time but the flexibility of him being able to play all three positions uh, is a big plus here because then you can move Hicks to to left field where his arm becomes even stronger in left field compared to center. And then you figure out what to do with, with Brett Gardner. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, we saw, we saw the angels dump Albert Pujols, a hall of fame player here. I don't think the Yankees would ever dump Brett Gardner, but um, it, it's not going good in left field and there might be changes coming. Um, and maybe a roster spots could open up because the last guy on my three down list is Mike Ford. Uh, once Luke Voigt shows he's fully healthy, I don't see a need for Mike Ford to be on the Yankees roster at all. <laughs> no, I, absolutely not. You're right. I mean, LeMayhew can move over to first base, and usually teams— And if Andujar's up. Usually teams, you know, have potentially, you know, a first baseman type designated hitter. I mean, Mike Ford plays first base only if he played outfield, too, with the Yankees' injuries— um, yeah, imagine Mike Ford playing the outfield. Like, if he, like, I want to see it now. He, he pitched for us. If he was that type of player, um, I, I'd you know entertain putting 
him in the if he played outfield in, in first base, it would be one thing. But yeah, he looks so so lost at the plate. Um, he's got four he, hits he's, and forty two at bats. Like that's yeah, it. it's not great. It's, it's two of them are bombs. I give him credit. He's, we know he's got power, but you know he's not. He's not. He, he hit a ball on the nose today, right at a guy. But he he kind of hits into the shift often. Um, got the start here for Luke Voigt just because you know resting him coming back from injury. But I don't. I'm, you're gonna need to show me, give me a good reason why this guy is on the Yankees roster come June. Yeah, and in 50 games in 2019, I mean, he showed us a lot of potential. I mean, he had 12 home runs. You know, hit almost 260. Had a nine. The pride of Princeton. OPS. Uh, I mean, the OPS was high. The uh, he got on base 35 percent of the time, but he fell off last year. I. I Everybody gets a mulligan for last year, though. But yeah, and and forty and forty two at bats this year, um, it has not been pretty. And I, and I get not getting regular playing time is tough, but yeah, there's not going to be a need for him on the Yankees roster once Boychosi's healthy and uh, puts a charge into a couple. I don't. Yeah, there's no versatility there. It's he's a lefty bat, yeah. but you know who cares? Like I, the, the Yankees have shown they 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 they. You know, doing forcing a lefty in the lineup is worse than having an unbalanced righty lineup. So we'll see if uh, we'll see how long he lasts. I think there are options. Again, same with plenty of opportunity. I think in the overall on the three down list, I think it just kind of shows that there is opportunity for Miguel and Duhar to stick on this roster. He just needs to hit and prove it. Just not be a complete fool at third base. Show he can handle the glove at first base if needed, and possibly be an emergency outfielder. Plenty of opportunity for Andujar. Um, so that's what kind of I want to see the next week. If he's getting at-bats, I need to see Mang- Mag- Miguel Andujar take this roster spot and, and hold on to it, even if it's in a non-everyday role, because um, the Yankees still are struggling putting the ball in play, as we witnessed on Wednesday, even with Andujar in the lineup. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll kind of see if the playing time comes. We'll see if Mike Ford gets any playing time, and we'll, we'll keep an eye on the disaster that is the the left field. You know, it's it's crazy. The Yankees went four and two, and then you look at the bottom of the lineup. We're seeing a lot of games where it's Mike Ford, Brett Gardner, you know, Kyle Higashioka, Gary Sanchez, and it's just it's just ugly. It's just ugly. But they're winning they're winning games somehow. Yeah, automatic out. You, you room for improvement, I guess. The positivity will say. Yeah, for sure. Um, but like you said, automatic outs in that part of the lineup sometimes, um, which is unfortunate to see. But, yeah, I want to see Andujar take that roster spot too because if he can show he can play a couple of positions uh, and he's got that beautiful helicopter swing that we love uh, that can send some balls out. I yeah, well, um, Just get, start getting some getting on base here. The bottom of the order doesn't have to be special. Yankees have done a, a pretty solid job of raising their on-base percentage the past three weeks. They're they're now eighth in Major League Baseball with a 317 on-base percentage. You know they were down in the 20s early on when they were struggling. The Yankees, it's I mean it's not crazy. Get on base and hope you hit a home run. You're going to win the game. So let's see what let's see what happens there. Uh, I mentioned the home runs. The Yankees are uh, fourth in the league uh, with 48 home runs. Uh, they are six behind the Atlanta Braves. Uh, Acuna Jr. is smacking the shit out of the ball for them. So they are leading with, with 54 home runs, well behind the pace of the MLB record set by the Twins 
Uh, but we are still keeping track at hashtag NYYHR tracker. Um, who is Sam? Just uh, so far, like Stan's got eight. Judge's got eight. Who's winning the the home run race by the end of the year for the Yankees between those two? Is there enough time for Luke Voigt to catch up? I'm going with Stanton, and I don't think there's enough time for Luke Voigt to catch up. I picked Stanton as my American League MVP. Again, the haters were very, very uh, <laughs> loud over that one. Heard a lot of flack from that one in the group message. Um, yeah, the Yankees group message that uh, a couple of my friends and I have. Uh, I am sticking with Stanton because he's going to get on. We got an appetizer last week, but I think once this weather starts heating up in June, Yankee Stadium, ball starts flying out. I could see him going on a ridiculous like eight and eleven games or something yeah. like that. Maybe maybe a couple of those stretches. Judge Judge um, hit a nice deep one uh, in Tampa to, to start the game. Uh, I love seeing Judge just it doesn't just such an easy swing and he sends the ball four hundred feet to dead center where compared to John Carlos Stanton, it looks like he's gonna just, like it's just it's scary it's violent to to say the least. So sorry, so Stanton has nine. Judge has eight. If we want to combine catchers, Higgy. And Gary got a combined nine. So the catcher position actually has got nine home runs. Um, maybe we'll start looking at it like that. Let's start combining it to, to Kyle Sanchez instead of as individual players here uh, and see what their numbers are looking like uh, for, a, for a full season instead of going back and forth about who's the everyday catcher. Yeah, and I'm going to give the loudest knock on wood you'd ever hear right now, Steve. Uh, I'm not going to wake your baby up, I promise. <laughs> um, but... I mentioned to somebody the other day, we have not had an IL stint from Giancarlo Stanton or Aaron Judge on May 13th. It, it is good. It is good. Um, Knock on wood. Yeah, yeah. Knock on wood. <laughs> no, um, you can wake the baby up for that. Who <laughs> knows how important this is? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I am. That is one thing. Knock on wood. Uh, <laughs> that I am. That has been the biggest surprise to me in this Yankee season right now. Because I mean, I'd have put a lot of money on one of them being on the IL. Um, yeah. At and least by the end of April, but. They're doing right. The Yankees are twenty and seventeen, two games back of the first place surprise Red Sox, who are still playing pretty well. Um, coming up this week, three more versus Baltimore. As always, take advantage of Baltimore. Get the wins. Uh, Got to be a sweep every time. Like we, have, they haven't been able to do it yet. They, they, they won two or three early in the year. Then they split a four-game series. Uh, they're back in Baltimore, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You need to sweep there again, and then you go on the road for four in Texas. Um, so a very, very winnable, winnable week again for the Yankees here. We, we hoped for a, a five and one week um, with the Nationals and Tampa, and they went four and two. These two teams are not good compared to those two teams. Uh, six and one, right? You got to go six and one. Took the words right out of my mouth, Steve. Uh, <laughs> I want to sweep the, I want to sweep the Orioles, and then um, I mentioned it last week, and I will be in attendance for the Phillies games that they just announced are going. Yeah, to June twelfth, thirteenth, uh, two ga- weird two game series versus uh, Saturday Phillies. and Sunday. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, but 100% capacity allowed in Philly for the Yankee series, which is, you know, no surprise there that they're waiting for the Yankees to, they know they'll sell those out. <laughs> oh, yeah. But uh, 
Yeah, after the Orioles, the Yankees will play in a stadium that allows 100% capacity for the first time this year when they go down to face the Texas Rangers. And uh, with the Yankees fans down there, I think you're going to see it close to 100%. And, and maybe, you know, we're in May right now, a lot of people taking vacation time. I wouldn't doubt that you see you have some people – yeah, even there. with the, uh, the limited seats in Baltimore, I think that's going to be uh, a lot of Yankee fans uh, as well. It's always kind of been referred to as Yankee Stadium South, Fenway South, uh, poor, poor Camden Yards, because it's a great stadium to watch a game at. But usually it's filled yeah. with more visitors than, than home fans. Oh, yeah, all, all the time. Um, the uh, My sister's actually graduating next weekend, and I, I was hoping they were home. Uh, but the graduation is at M&T Bank Stadium, home of the Baltimore Oh, Ravens. nice. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so they they bought that out or rented that out to do the social distancing thing. And I wanted the Orioles to be home because um, up until today, I was originally not allowed to go to the graduation. Um, so there you go. That's fine. Yeah, it would have been two... nice to catch a beer in a ball game uh, at, uh, at Camden Yards. Always a yeah. fun spot there. The Yankees Sunday will face... Uh, John Means, who threw a no-hitter uh, a couple weeks ago. Then I followed it up with a good start versus, versus the Red Sox here. Um, seems to be by far the best pitcher for the Orioles. So we'll get him versus Monty Sunday. So that'll be a good test for for the Yankees and for Jordan Montgomery to back it up because he'll be going against a, a, a pitcher that, that seems to have figured it out uh, of late. Uh, Monday, Coltrane, lock it up. Let's go. Uh, so it's strong week. They said six and one here. So Sam, what do you be your, your your final thoughts as we go into a a nice uh, seven game road trip for the Yankees? Yeah, I don't want only to beat up on the Rays, or excuse me, beat up on the Orioles, or excuse me, I don't want only to sweep the Orioles. I want there to be two games that are over by the third or fourth inning. Yeah, let's get a ten runs. Yeah. Let's get ten runs going. Uh, you know these three yeah. one uh, one nothing sack fly only games. No, we need to get the uh, get the lineup going. You only score four runs uh, when you win two games. It's 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 nice. It means your pitching's doing great, but the Yankee lineups need to need to do a little better. So I agree. Special especially Saturday, I got the Bruins against the Capitals. Let's let's get that game <laughs> over. That, that's I want two games this weekend. You know where I don't have to break a sweat after the fifth. Uh, I'm going to say Sam here with two very hitters friendly ballparks that the Yankees are going to have a game where they hit five home runs. At some How about point this two week, of them? Uh, two games, two five home runs, ten home runs. They got Yankees got forty-eight. So all right, let's uh, let's wrap it up with this. They got forty-eight home runs this year so far. Seven games, three in Baltimore and four in Texas. How many home runs are they hitting in these seven games? Seven. I am going to go. They're going to go on a spurt here. I'm going to go. 23. Oh, Jesus. I love that. 20, 23 of the next seven. So you're over three per game. Oh. oh, oh. No, no, you're 23. I'm, I'm 23, <laughs> okay. I'm not very good at math. But no, the, 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 I could see it. You, you know, the Yankees get hot at, in Baltimore sometimes, and that humidity is going to be turned all the way up in Texas. So we're, we're, we're going it. bold. Let's they're go. Gonna, they're going to go on a spurt. <laughs> all right, two. so – yeah, we if they hit two and five, if they hit five twice in these seven games, I think we're looking good. Okay, we're we'll, we'll, good. we'll wrap it up there. We'll wrap this episode up with Sam predicting that the Yankees will hit twenty-three home runs over the next seven games, and we're definitely going to remember that when we record next time to see how close he comes. I hope you're right. I hope you're actually too low, 
But thanks for joining us on an episode of podcasting in pinstripes. Sam and Steve here always for your to give you your Yankee takes. And appreciate you guys listening. Have a fun, safe weekend, and we'll talk to you guys soon. <laughs>